I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. How do you convince people that you have something uniquely and powerfully valuable to offer them, whatever your industry happens to be, right? That has to be true of any product or service on the market. It has to be unique, and its effects have to be obvious and in your face and say, oh, yes, that is exactly what I've been looking for. Please give that to me now. Nothing else will provide the same thing in the same way to me. And I think people who don't put a lot of thought into this process tend to rely on like image building, like just instantly trying to impress on people, this is amazing, get this now, limited time offer. You know, that sort of very cheap impressionistic marketing, which certainly has its place like in the online world, a pop-up ad is is popular for a reason because on a mass scale it works. But I think for most small business owners or, or solo entrepreneurs with a more complex, dynamic, nuanced value proposition, that doesn't really work. You need to be much better at telling a very unique and engaging kind of story that at least works on a very specific kind of person to convince them, wow, this is way different than everything else I've been looking at in this space. How you day? How you day? Hope you all are off to an amazing day. Today, I was talking to Gregory, who is a fascinating individual. You hear in the interview and in the intro that he's a citizen of three countries. But what I love about Gregory is his take on identity. We talk about brand identity, how to get that breakthrough. But we also talk about the individual's identity, how to use your identity to be influential and to ultimately build platforms out of that. It is so fascinating because he talks about it in an intersectional way, how that translates across cultures and the way that travel can actually reveal more about yourself. So I I love this conversation. You know, I'm someone that likes to take complex things and deconstruct them into simple ways so that I can then uh, send them off into the world. That's exactly what today's episode was about. Now, let's talk about the masterclass. Yes, I know I've been talking about the masterclass, but I will be talking about it until the 15th, which is the day it happens. So the masterclass is on how to build a public speaking career and also use your voice to build a platform. My career right now that allows me to travel and speak multiple times as well as consult was launched because of this podcast. So how do you take your story, you know, turn that into something that's a platform that people want to hire? That's exactly what I'll be covering in the, in the, in the platform. And I would love for you to join. If you're not in New York City, it's okay because there's a course version available for that. I'll put that in the show notes. You'll be able to see that under Masterclass and check it out. You know, it's on the 15th and it's on demand afterwards, like I said. So check it out. I love you all. Enjoy the episode. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of As Told by Nomads. And today's guest is Gregory Deal. Now, Gregory is an author, he's a business coach, he's a citizen of three countries. He has visited over 
50 countries. He's a multi-media personality as well as a um, um, consultant and coach who has helped people figure out who they are across different um, countries. We're going to be talking about how to figure out what your brand identity is, how to travel and use that as uh, something to transform your life, and also all the mechanics that it takes to write a nonfiction book. It's definitely going to be one that, that's uh, that's uh, it's layered and, and, and multidimensional, so I hope you have your pens ready. Welcome to the show, Greg. Thanks for having me. The pleasure is mine. So where are you calling me from right now? Currently, I am in Davao City, Philippines, although until about a month ago, I was in the mountains of Armenia, which is not a frequently explored country. Yes, 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 yes. One of my best friends is from Armenia, and um, she always talks about how no one talks about it often. So Armenia, Philippines, I said in the intro that you've been to over 50 countries. So before we even get started, uh, I know that you're a citizen of three countries right now. Where are you? Yeah. Where are you originally from? <laughs> I'm originally from California, the good old USA, San Diego, and I stayed the first 18 years of my life there. And then suddenly, I realized there was a whole big world out there that I didn't know anything about, and I became obsessed with traveling and seeing as much of it as I could. Been doing that for the last 12 years, and now I'm uh, setting up homes and strategic spots around the world, including Armenia, which is one of my countries of citizenship, which I got through family descent. Uh, but now I'm exploring more of Southeast Asia and seeing if I'd like to set up a similar situation here in the Philippines. Awesome, awesome. So that's United States, Armenia, and what's the other country that you're a citizen of? Uh, Georgia, the republic, the country, not the state. Not Georgia, the, state of the country Georgia. right above Armenia, actually. Yeah, I have to clarify that for people because Georgia is also not a country a lot of people go to. So is is that your mission to be, uh, you know, a citizen of countries that not a lot of people go to? Well, I'd, I'd love to be a citizen of as many countries as possible if for no other reason than the philosophical representation and, and what that implies about being a true citizen of the world. Uh, but no, I, I happen to like both Georgia and Armenia a lot, and I've spent a lot of time in both of those countries, and um, I could definitely see myself living a lot of my life in either of those places. So that's how I ended up acquiring citizenship in both those places. Okay, okay. so you've written a lot, right? And one of the books that you've written, is called Travel as Transformation. And you talk about conquering the limits of culture to discover your own identity, which is a lot of what this podcast uh, dives into. So can you tell me what you learned about yourself and how we can travel as transformation? Yeah, well, when I wrote Travel as Transformation a couple of years ago, it was because I saw that there was a lot of travel books available, you know, like how to how to be a nomad, how to be a backpacker, how to save money, how to visit interesting places and have memorable experiences. And that's all well and good. I just think that that's been talked about enough. And what I saw wasn't talked about enough was the intense psychological impact that living in so many places and having to question so many things, your basic assumptions about how society works, about how people interact with each other, and about who you are and what you want out of life really fundamentally changes you as a person. And even more so than changing you, transforming you, what it does is it reveals you because you learn just how much of your personality, your desires, what you think your goals are and what you think your values are are just kind of there by default because maybe you don't know any better. 
or maybe your society around you encouraged you to care about these things and live this way and have this kind of lifestyle. And when you strip away all those things you take for granted and realize you can choose literally any lifestyle you want by going any place and, and living any way you want without the expectations of other people, you really start to have to question who you actually are and what you actually want. And that's the biggest thing I've gotten out of 12 years of nonstop travel, and that's what I tried to capture in my book. Wow, yeah. And, and you know, I think one of the things that people always talk about when it comes to travel, I was just having this conversation with, with someone earlier today, is safety. People are always talking about, I don't know, it's out of my comfort zone. I don't know how to deal with people from different backgrounds. I seem to have everything I want here. How do you have, um, how do you hear that mindset? And then talk to someone about the importance of understanding that the world is increasingly bigger than they think it is. And also, it's actually beneficial for your self-development because you're going to figure out more about yourself that you probably didn't even realize was there. Well, you need a certain amount of curiosity and ambition to live this kind of life just because that's the state of development that the world is in where, uh, yeah, it can be dangerous and there are a lot of uncertainties and you do have to be good at improvising and figuring things out and making plans and adjusting and you can get mugged or you can get confused by the strange way people do things in other places. All of that is very real and very true. So you need to be the kind of person who craves this kind of new experience and education more than they fear what could go wrong in the process. And, you know, be smart about it. Don't just jump off to Saudi Arabia or Iraq the first time you leave your home country, right? Like go somewhere a little bit easier, a little more nomad friendly, a little more uh, well-worn by expatriates. My first country was Costa Rica, which is probably the friendliest, easiest place I could have gone uh, for my first time outside the U.S. I spent about a year there. And then I gradually explored further and further into some of the more difficult, potentially more dangerous places uh, somewhere like Armenia isn't exactly dangerous, but again, it is not exactly the kind of place you find a lot of nomads and travelers. So I had to be good at making connections when I got there, especially considering I don't speak the language. Yeah. But I have been to a lot of dangerous places too. And and the same thing, it's it's mostly just getting so good at trusting your ability to adapt and learn and make connections with the good people there that you mostly avoid anything potentially too dangerous. No, I, I 100% agree. What would you say about the importance of travel in today's current climate of interest in divisions? And this, is, this isn't just happening in the United States. This is happening all over the world where there seems to be a growing populist movement or nationalist movement, nationalism. You know, I don't want you to come here, stay in your country. We don't need as many immigrants or refugees. Leave me alone. I don't understand what I don't understand. How do you feel like travel can help or maybe it doesn't help uh, the situation? Well, every country seems to have a different level of tolerance and desire for outside influence. And it seems to come and go in cycles, even within any given country, in my experience. Right now, obviously, the U.S., there's a lot of talk of keeping immigrants and refugees out, building walls and barriers, either literally or metaphorically. And in many countries I've been to, that's been the case too. They, they're just, the general populace seems to not like those who come from other countries for no real reason. It's just a form of cultural brainwashing. They just have an automatic bias. Maybe it's about refugees from one specific country or one specific part of the world or, or, or immigrants in general. And others, it's the exact opposite, especially if you're American. Like, oh, it's so exciting. That's so amazing. An American here in my home? Wow. Who would have thought? You know, you're treated like a celebrity. 
So it, it can go either way, a positive yeah. bias or a negative bias. And that's really the kind of thing that can actually go to your head a lot, either in the negative or positive sense where you, you can feel dehumanized because someone seems to be treating you unfairly, or you can get a little bit too much of an ego boost when people are giving you a little bit too much credit simply because you happen to be a certain race or nationality. You know, and, and I, I think part of doing this so many times and being to so many places is that you get used to the entire range of responses you can get as a human being, either being celebrated for or demonized for just existing. And that exists on the level of like how attractive you are. In the Philippines, I'm considered an extremely attractive man. And I can safely say that's the only country that's been true in so far in my experience. Philippines is the only place where I feel like I walk down the street and young Filipino women blush and turn away shyly because I, I look like a, a freaking movie star to them, apparently. No other country in the world has that been true, right? Mm. And I'm not the kind of person who's going to like take that serious and say, well, I must just be a really valuable person and be really attractive and I, I should use this power. To me, it's more just a funny little little cultural quirk like that. You know, I just coincidentally happen to look like someone that they consider very handsome. Or maybe they do this with all young white men. I have no idea. But it just shows you how arbitrary it all is. And whether you are celebrated or, again, demonized and people treat you badly, you just learn not to take it personally. Because you, you know it's not them actually rationally thinking and making this decision. It's just some response that's been programmed into them by their culture. It sounds like what you're saying is that travel is giving you perspective and ability to even empathize as well. Because I think... The thing that you, you, you hit, hit the nail on the head on there is the fact that we all have biases. Um, and that's actually, it's what makes us human. It doesn't make you a bigot, racist or anything, but how you acknowledge them, identify them, understand them does inform who you become, which is ultimately your identity. Now, if you re recognize that your bias is as a result of your lack of exposure and you start to travel and you start to realize like, wow, I'm able to humanize people that I maybe only you know, use one story to define the whole identity, that helps. And then on the other end, if you start to realize that people are seeing you based on one version of their identity, maybe through a Hollywood film and you're a physical manifestation of that, you also understand that that's where that comes from and you're able to look at that perspective. And that comes from actually, you know, traveling. And one of the other things that I always talk about is when you learn about yourself is, I always say you can learn more about yourself when you travel than mostly anything you do because you're going to see how you are in uncomfortable situations and the more uncomfortable you are the more your natural instincts come out and when those natural instincts come out you start to realize well i don't know if i want to act that way or wow i didn't know that i had that in me. yeah absolutely in the exact same way you realize everybody is telling a different story about you all of which is just made up before they even met you you're doing the same thing about places you actually know nothing about, right? Yeah. Just because you, you heard a story on the news or somebody back that you knew back home had a certain opinion about this, but you don't actually know anything about these places, right? You know, just one vague generalized image, sometimes which turns out to be fairly accurate, you know, to be honest, like sometimes you go to a place and you feel like, wow, the people here are really rude. You know, like, I found Russians to be very rude to me. You know, and that's just at least at least in the capital, right? Like people would just be bumping into me in the street, walking past me and like, oh, okay, wow, they just really don't care about personal space here. All right, that's, that's just the way they do it here. You know, and so sometimes negative stereotypes, you can find, okay, that, 
That seems, you know, in my limited perspective so far, I see this seems to be confirmed. You know, you would yeah. never apply these things as an absolutism saying, yeah, all Russians are rude people. But no, just I found that when I was there, that it was a noticeably different way that people were treating me. And, and so you have to question everything you think you know about all the stories you tell yourself about how people work, about how different parts of the world work. In the exact same way that you would hope that anyone you actually get to know on a personal level in any of these countries that you go to isn't going to just treat you like the stereotype that they hold about you, whether positive or negative. Yeah, no, 100% correct. That's uh, that's uh, absolutely brilliant. love that you said that. So let's talk about basically crafting your own unique story. You know, we talked about travel as transformation, and you are the author of several books. And as I was you know, st- studying what you do and, and sensibly – how you let people figure out who they are. I, I do understand that that comes from understanding how to tell your story. Now, even if you're not someone that wants to travel a lot, understanding how to tell your story is a very important thing if you want to be able to sell your product, be able to sell yourself as a thought leader, and be able to connect with people in order for them to, to maybe buy from you. So what are the basics that anyone listening right now, you know, this, uh, this is a podcast in 150 countries. Anyone listening who's thinking of being an entrepreneur, thinking of being a storyteller, what are the basics that they need to do or they need to put in place, rather, in order to craft their own unique story? Well, uh, if you're talking in the business sense as an entrepreneur, yeah, my first book was called Brand Identity Breakthrough, which was exactly what you're talking about. Uh, How do you convince people that you have something uniquely and powerfully valuable to offer them whatever your industry happens to be right that has to be true of any product or service on the market it has to be unique and its effects have to be obvious and in your face and say oh yes that is exactly what i've been looking for please give that to me now nothing else will provide the same thing in the same way to me and i think people who don't put a lot of thought into this process tend to rely on like image building like just instantly trying to impress on people this is amazing get this now limited time offer you know, that sort of very cheap impressionistic marketing, which certainly has its place like in the online world. A pop-up ad is is popular for a reason because on a mass scale it works. But I think for most small business owners or, or solo entrepreneurs with a more complex, dynamic, nuanced value proposition, that doesn't really work. You need to be much better at telling a very unique and engaging kind of story that at least works on a very specific kind of person to convince them, wow, this is way different than everything else I've been looking at in this space. Yeah, that's interesting. And let's dive into the mechanics, the mechanics of a story, of a good story with that. So say I've got a product, right? I know that I know who my intended audience is. The only problem is maybe there are a lot of competitors in the space. Maybe I'm fresh. You know, I just graduated from college. And or maybe I just left um, a job and this is me leaping into this industry. But I'm intimidated by the fact that there is social media and there is a large competitor in the space and people are not going to know who I am. How do I approach such a situation with the basics that you said uh, give your brand identity a breakthrough? Well, I think thinking about all those things like how to use social media effectively, that's all putting the cart before the horse Mm. because – you use all those things to gain visibility, to make people aware of something, right? Mm. But you have to have something worth being made aware of first, right? Preach. And that's what the story is, is realizing what it is that you're trying to bring attention to. Preach. So you're saying it doesn't doesn't even matter you know, if you have all those thoughts and if you start putting 
a lot of those, um, uh, what do you call it? Just, uh, imposter syndrome things in your head. You're, you're saying the foundation, regardless of what is going around the world is the, is the foundation. It is your story. What is your story? Why you be, uh, be intimate with that and, and, and then be able to explain that to anyone because that's probably where your authenticity will come through and that's what will build the connection, which will ultimately drive whatever sales you have. Right. And I think that's the hardest work for most people to do because it requires a lot of intellectual labor, a lot of introspecting, a lot of really, really asking yourself, is this exactly what I want to be doing and exactly how I want to be doing it? And I think people would rather busy themselves with things that are that are purely numbers based that you can look at, like number of impressions or the amount you're spending on clicks on each ad. And they're not getting into the the real hard interior work that makes a business worthwhile, both for them as the entrepreneur and the customer who's going to be saying, this is the best thing I've ever had. I need more of this. Absolutely brilliant. So how do you build the intellectual labor? Let's talk about you, for example. You, you've written multiple books. You've traveled all over the world, over 50 countries, citizen of, of three of them right now. And you're someone that basically, you know, explores his curiosity. How did you how did you do the intellectual labor to discover who you were to to become this this uh this thought leader in your space? Well, to bring it back to what travel shows you, you know, I was talking about how when you experience life in many different places with all the circumstances of life are constantly changing, you learn the parts of yourself that are sort of just temporary or arbitrary and aren't really a deeply ingrained part of you because they disappear when you're no longer in a certain environment. But the opposite of that is also true. You learn the parts of yourself that tend to stay there no matter what changes around you. In the best of circumstances, in the worst, in the most familiar, in the most foreign, there are certain parts of you that tend to remain true and unchanging. Their expression changes a lot. Sure, opportunities change to to display this part of yourself depending on what is needed in a given situation. But certain principles should always remain there. Certain values, certain deeply held interests and passions, right? And the challenge then just becomes how do I apply these things that are unchangingly true about me through the modern mechanics of the marketplace, which includes things like social media marketing. Mm. In my case, it was things like I, I was always a teacher. I was always an explainer. I was always good at convincing people of things and changing their mind and, and, and helping them understand really complex, deep concepts. Right. And that has manifested in my professional life in so many different ways, from teaching guitar lessons when I was a teenager to personal development coaching to uh, teaching all kinds of things in schools around the world. And a few years ago, it became writing and publishing books because circumstances allowed me to learn how to do that. And I realized it was a very good natural fit for what I was already doing in my life. Well, that, that's what I was getting at. So when I, when I asked you to talk about your personal brand, and, and how you, you figure out who you were is you took that one simple thing there of you like to explain things a lot and you turn that into, you know, being an author, being someone that could, uh, you know, occasionally coaches, occasionally consults, but also essentially a thought leader in the space. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Around, you know, travel, culture, identity and storytelling and that was all out of skill sets that you've had now many people sometimes i'm sure you've heard this before gregory when they'll come up to you and say i don't know what i'm good at you know i or what i like to do someone who's already skilled at it i don't know how to make that a career and the ability for you to say hey i explain things a lot i like to travel bam that's a career <laughs> That that ability to do that is one that I don't think is as common as um, many people uh, would like. So I, I guess what I'm trying to say is how can we inspire that in others to basically do the same thing you did? You know, just using a simple ability you have, tying it with the curiosity that they or interest that they have, and then launching a career out of those two things. Well, there are going to be circumstances that apply to everyone's life that are unique to them. In my case, because, you know, I want to be able to work online and I don't want to have a fixed schedule. And, you know, there are so many little variables to take into account, something like writing books and then generating passive income from them fits very nicely for my life. Right. And it helps that I happen to be a pretty good writer. So if you weren't a very good writer, you know, there are other things that you could do that have some of those same characteristics, right? Like if you could monetize a podcast, for example, or, or a YouTube channel or, you know, most of the stuff I hardly know anything about because it's not the path I took. But I know these opportunities exist. I just happen to find one that works best for my personality, skill set and lifestyle. And because self-publishing just happens to be at a, at a point in marketplace development where it's viable to do this. Right. And all these opportunities are changing and growing very quickly. So it's like every other day, you know, there are going to be new options that you hadn't necessarily considered. So you should probably narrow your focus to things that you know you actually like doing. And again, pretty importantly, are good at doing. I knew I was a good writer. So, you know, what options does that leave for me? I could write a blog. I could write a podcast. I'm sorry, not a podcast, write a book, write a blog. And, you know, I used to do copywriting, too. Like, that was a pretty easy one for me because that's hugely in demand. Every business owner needs good copywritten for their website or a sales pitch or something. So I did that for a while just to test the waters. I think the mistake is in thinking that you need to have the perfect career path as soon as you begin working. Instead of being willing to do the hard work of just trying things over and over again, building experience, seeing what you like, what you don't like, what you're good at, what you're not good at, and getting paid at the same time, which is you know pretty important. And then eventually saying, okay, I know what I don't want to be doing anymore, and I know what I can do. So let's find a way to optimize my life around those things. Awesome. Awesome. And before we move on from this, I just wanted to, to ask if you have any set of specific questions people could ask themselves um, or any exercise that you people can do with themselves right now that they can instantly apply to figure out what their inner desires are, what the personal whys are, and what their interests are. 
Yeah, I would I would go straight to the deepest possible point with that and say what in life can cause you the greatest amount of pain and the greatest amount of pleasure? Like, can you conceptualize those things? Okay. Have you experienced the limits of your ability to feel pain and suffering and pleasure and joy, right? And uh, if you have, great, then you, you have a pretty good idea of what those things are for you, right? So think back to what it was that was able to cause you to feel those things. And again, not just the specific circumstances, but the principle behind them. Like if, you're, if your girlfriend cheated on you or something, which is something that's happened to me and certainly one of those painful experiences in my life, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. You know, why was it that it hurt you that much? Was it just you don't like the idea of of somebody you were sleeping with sleeping with someone else? Or was it the betrayal aspect of it? Someone you trusted so much could lie to you about something so important. Now you're starting to understand, well, why is that so important to you? Right. Or if I really liked working with kids in a classroom setting when I used to be a teacher, uh, why did I like that so much? Is it just because kids are fun and cute to be around or is it because I enjoyed being in a position of nurturing their potential and helping them learn things that would help them throughout their life? Right. OK. How many other ways can I apply that principle besides just working in a classroom with kids? So you got to get really creative with this and, again, be really willing to introspect into the principle behind the experiences in your life and why they made you feel the way they did. And then you can project that into other circumstances. What is your greatest desire and what is your greatest pain? Go as deep as you can and you will most likely find the clues to what it is that you can and do want to do. It's very interesting. Love it. (laughs) Yeah, and, and then it's just about knowing, you know, what is presently available if you're going to be an online entrepreneur, for example. If, if I couldn't self-publish books, I'd be doing something else. I don't know what, but hey, this is an option, so this is what I'm going to do for now. <laughs> well, uh, this is what you do for now, and uh, this is that you do it pretty, pretty well. In fact, you've written, you, it's funny, you reached out to me in 2016, and since then you've written one, two, three, four. You were on your fifth book. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. That's... That's yeah. incredible. That also speaks to your competence. Now, speaking of competence, you teaching people how to write nonfiction books is what I, what your next book is about, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah, that was a pretty natural evolution, sort of meta-contextual. This new book is called The Influential Author, How and Why to Write, Publish, and Sell Nonfiction Books That Matter. And it's been my longest book at over 500 pages now, which I didn't even know I could write that much about any one subject. But what I wanted to do was take the lessons I had learned by publishing both my own books, and now I've worked with several other authors in a publishing capacity through my publishing company, Identity Publications. And I wanted to use my signature method and style of breaking down complex subjects for people in a way that hopefully covers it in much greater depth than what you would get from most books about self-publishing, because there are a lot of books about self-publishing, just as there are a lot of books about how to be a digital nomad or a backpacker. And just like with my travel book, I wanted to take that in a new direction, potentially a deeper direction. I wanted to do the same thing with self-publishing here, to talk about you know what it means to write a book that actually matters and makes a difference in people's life. And then how to do that from the creative side of things, like how to get that message in your head and organize it in a structural way and get it down on paper, how to launch it successfully as a book, you know, the entrepreneurial side of things, and then the lifelong results that come from that, which I'm only beginning to discover, you know, because I've only been doing this a few years. And 
it's it's a pretty good book, I would say. You know, I put a lot <laughs> of myself into it. <laughs> okay, well, I would no. say it's a unique book, certainly. No other book on writing and self-publishing is going to go the same places that this book does. Well, so so break this down to me: the influential author, how and why to write, publish, and sell nonfiction books to matter. In your opinion, why is writing nonfiction different from writing fiction? Well, I haven't written fiction yet, although I do plan to. I have a couple interesting stories in mind that I may get around to in the next few years. But it seems obvious to me that you know, fiction is primarily about opening people's minds up and filling them with wonder and excitement and adventure. And nonfiction is primarily about explaining things to people. You know, that thing that I realized I was pretty good at explaining things to people. And to do that, you need to be able to structure and organize your knowledge very, 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 very well, especially if you're trying to explain something that is uncommon or really deep or really complex or even explaining a common thing in a unique way, right? Because there are many, many ways to get to the same destination. Uh, the journey will be very different depending on what road you choose to take to get there. And that's what you're doing when you write in a particular style or with a particular emphasis or if a particular kind of person who's trying to understand a subject. And I, I wanted this book to focus very much just on that aspect of writing and publishing, even though I'm sure much of what I've written will apply to people who want to write novels or whatever. Yeah, I was, I was just about but, to say, because um, if you look at The Alchemist, I mean, that's a, that's a fiction book, but it, it does a lot of similar things, a lot of nonfiction books to, to do in the sense that it, it is, in essence, explaining what it is to find your personal legend and steps you can take with that. Uh, it's just a matter of just, you know, I guess, perspective and setting and, and you know, adding fictional elements to that. But one thing that I did like that you said with, with the influential author and what you do here is you, you find in, um, you know, a unique way to explain common things. There are many books, like you said, on, you know, you got into this field, there are many books about travel, many books about identity even, but you using your unique experience is a skill set that people don't necessarily feel like they have. You know, we were talking earlier about how many people feel like they are one of many and they forget to realize that they are one of one and understand the mechanics of breaking down your story, your method and, and, and combining those into a, a, a framework is a skill set that I, I would like to, I would love to dive into more with you. How do you turn your story and your experiences into a metho methodology that works into a book? What are the things that you find yourself doing on a daily or regular basis that allows you to basically structure your, your nonfiction book? Well, it's, it's a journey, all of it. There needs to be a logical and chronological progression between chapters, between subsections, between sentences within a paragraph, right? And that's, that's the kind of thing you need to become really, really good at, I think, to write a dense, deep, nonfiction book. And I think the problem many people have, especially if they're truly experts on a subject, is that they have become unconsciously competent. They are so good at what they do that they have completely forgotten everything that was necessary to get to the point of understanding that they now have, which make, make them really good at performing a particular kind of task. It becomes almost effortless for them, but they cannot build a bridge between a point of ignorance to the point of total, complete understanding that they now have because they've forgotten most of that when they never verbalized it in the first place. It was like intuitive to them. So to be a good explainer of things, you need to be the kind of person who's really good at assessing your own knowledge, like really 
you know, self-reflecting and understanding, okay, I know this is true because of this, and I learned this through doing X, Y, and Z, and then to be able to create, you know, in my mind, it really is like a map between point A and point Z, A being, you know, I know only the most basic things about this subject to point Z, I'm an expert on this very specific thing. And how do I walk from A to Z? And most importantly, how do I be entertained enough in the process of doing that, that I actually want to keep going on the journey? So it's not just about, you know, being able to explain the facts of a thing in exactly the right order, but this is where personality comes in and where some of the most important aspects of uniqueness come in too, whether you're talking about a business or a book that you've written, how do you display your personality in a way that makes people want to keep reading and feel like they are taking a unique journey that no one else could have taken them on, even if they were taking them to the same place. Some people may love your personality. Some people may hate it. But, you know, whatever it is, it should serve a purpose. I'm super pedantic and kind of like intense in both the way I write and speak and coach and whatever. And a lot of people really like that. Some people really don't. Those people probably shouldn't read my book. But for everyone else, take a look. Yeah. And I like the point you brought up about being a good explainer, being being a good you know assessor of information. So if you really want to be able to be like, you know, like you said. Yeah, a good author, you have to be able to explain why you like something and how something makes you feel. And that's essentially, you know, I, I speak a lot and, and I write a lot and I'm in the process of writing another book, uh, my first, um, um, real big book on, on anything that I've done. But prior to that, I've always written since I was 15 and I started with poetry. And a lot of times it's really just observing what was going on around me and explaining how that made me feel and how I feel that makes other people feel. And then you start to just develop a certain style because you start to see, okay, this is how my head normally goes through. This is how I normally see what that is. And I think it's always about getting people wherever, wherever your reader is from one destination to another destination, you know, the current destination to a desired destination. And if you can explain that scenario and be that guide, and then you have a book, it sounds like. Yeah, and one guy might do it telling a lot of jokes and making people have a lot of fun and feel good along the way. Another guy might be very, very serious with it, you know, and another guy might be very, very dense with his wording, and another might be very loose and fluffy. And all of these serve a purpose depending on the preferences of the reader. There is no one perfect way to do this for all people. But if you can latch on to something that works really well for a specific type of reader, you know, hopefully they'll all start buying your book and telling everyone else they know who's like them, you've got to read this book. Like the way it's written is just you finally explain things in a way that no one else ever has before. <laughs> and and that's why you say, you know, Whatever unique voices you can use that because I, I think, you know, many people make the mistake of thinking they're the only ones with certain experiences. And the reality is a lot of people have had similar experiences. And if someone reads your book, Gregory, they're like, wow, Gregory thinks the same way I think. And I didn't know that it was possible. Maybe because people have only taught that you should only write this way. Don't, don't show this much of your personality. It's going to show people. It's going to throw people off. But if someone reads your book, they'll be like, I love the fact that he just writes the way I talk. And that's going to make me share it with my friends who do the same sort of thing. And then you build your following that way. Yeah, and a lot of it, people who are professional editors, I think, do that too much, where they think their job is to universalize the style of everything that comes in front of them, where they, they all try to make a fit and do a very specific form of what they think a book looks like, right? And I think a lot of that 
is due to the fact that when traditional publishing was the only option, there were very specific standards for most authors, especially new authors who they didn't know for sure would be successful. They had the, they very much had to encourage them. Okay. This is what we know sells. So we need to change your book to be as close to this as possible. It's no different than how a lot of movies are made. I think where, you know, if you're investing hundreds of millions of dollars into the production of a movie, you're probably going to make a movie that you know historically has a pattern of selling, right? A certain style of movie, a certain personality, a certain number of jokes per hour in the movie, because it's a business decision for you. And that makes a lot of sense within a certain context. And now with self-publishing being an option, you are able to take on the risk yourself as an entrepreneur to come along and say, I think this unconventional way to do this is going to sell really well. I think there's a demand for this. So I'm going to take that risk, invest my own time and money into making it a success. And hopefully I'm right. Well, well, where, where can people find your books? I mean, you, you've got the influential author, which is, you know, how and why to write, publish and sell a nonfiction book that matters. And you've got, you know, uh, you got a book on travel as transformation, which you, you, we, we talked about at the beginning of the podcast and then brand identity breakthrough, which you talked about in the middle of the podcast. So. I mean, you've given the audience multiple, you know, samples of everything you've done, but how can people really buy all your books to explain this in a more in-depth fashion? They're all on Amazon, so that would probably be the best place to get them, though they're also on Barnes & Noble and probably most other online booksellers. And yeah, if you want to contact me directly, you can go to my publishing website, which is identitypublications.com, or add me on Facebook or something. That's fine. Add him on Facebook or something. That should be fine. So make sure you look up Gregory Deal. Deal is spelled D I H um E H L. So D I E H L, which is uh, where's that from? What what is where? That's actually a German last name. Deal. So D I E H L is a German last name. So there you go. Have you explored that part of yourself? Have you seen if you could be a citizen there? Uh, I am about half German genetically, but there are only a handful of countries in the world that have a citizenship by descent program that lasts for more than one generation. As in, if, if your grandparents or great grandparents were citizens, you can also become a citizen. Armenia happens to be one of those 10 or so countries that has this. And it's so little talked about that even when I was researching much more common programs like Italy and Ireland, which a lot of people know about, if you have a grandparent from one of those places, you can get Irish or Italian citizenship. It was so hard to find any reputable information on whether or not Armenia has this program, exactly what's required to do it. I had to talk to like 10 Armenian lawyers, and then I had to find all these papers proving that my grandmother was born in Armenia and left right. about 100 years ago. And amazingly, it all worked because they did give me the passport, so that's cool. I don't even look Armenian or speak Armenian, but they, they apparently believe that I'm a quarter Armenian, so that's great. But Germany doesn't have a program like that, to the best of my knowledge. And even if they did, I don't think they allow multiple citizenships. Mm. In other words, I'd have to give up my three other passports if I wanted to get a German passport. And that's something you don't want to do. Nah. <laughs> well, Mr. Deal, we'll, we'll keep, we'll keep uh, finding countries that allow you to keep Multiple passwords then. I do want to ask you one question though. This is my mission statement. So I ask all my guests this question. My mission statement is use your difference to make a difference. It's the foundation of everything I do and all my platforms. And I'm very curious about you, sir. How do you use your difference to make a difference? 
I want to improve the way people think because if you can improve the way people think, you'll also improve the way they feel and the way they act. And that is the foundation of the whole of human society, the way that the individual thinks first about themselves and then about everything around them. And I think there are a lot of people who don't think as well as they could because there's a lot of misinformation out there where they haven't been encouraged or shown how to think better. And so we're all like, you know, slightly broken computers running around in this world that are glitching and have some faulty programming in us. And if we can, if I, you know, through my creative efforts from now until the time that I die can put things out there that help fix some of the glitches and the bad programming in the world, I will have done my part to contribute to a better world. Well, there you go. Improving the way people think about something is essentially what any thought leader is working on. And I think getting back to critical thinking is something we all need to do. So I love the fact that you're championing uh, both critical thinking, but also uh, and uh, and also improving the way people think about themselves. I think those are two important things that people need to do. So I want to commend you, sir. Thank you so much for you know committing to the interview on a Saturday. Uh, it is currently Saturday, and uh, I'll make sure your episode comes out very very soon. And I'll put the link in the show notes to your books, even if. Um, the, the, even if the, the book is, um, going to be out on December one, I just checked the link. There's a pre-order button that you can click on for zero ninety nine. It's basically 99 cents. And there's really no excuse for you not to get the book. So you should get Gregory's book. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah. And if you do get the book, do me a favor, take 30 seconds to write a two sentence review after you've read it. Just sharing your honest feelings because as I talk about within the book, The Influential Author, having a lot of reviews on Amazon is pretty essential to maintaining ongoing sales. So that would help me out a lot. All right. So don't only get the book, get uh, make sure that you spend, it takes what, maximum two minutes to, be, to basically write the review and write what, what you think about the book and that's going to improve his visibility and his ranking and also allow him to stay um, you know up there on the charts so that people can see the books and, and then obviously impact the sales so um yeah let's see if we can help him get some best sales status here thanks so much pleasure is mine and ladies and gentlemen till next time use your difference to make a difference you've just been listening to the as told by nomads podcast for more ways to reach out to tayo and to use your difference to make a difference head over to www.tayoroxon.com planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 